helps Lois back home. Missed having her with us. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 14, if you will, this morning. Matthew chapter number 14. I'm going to talk to you this morning about a day in the life of a water walker. As I was researching a bit this week, I found out that there is a Buddhist monk uh, who claims to hold the world record for water walking. And uh, I watched a video of his water walking techniques. How many of you watched kung fu movies as a kid? Kung fu theater. You know, the kind where they talk like this. Oh, to fight? Fight me. Uh, You know, they could walk on water. They could walk on the ceiling. They could walk on the wall. Uh, Well, I watched a video of this kung fu monk who holds a record, 100 and some yards, I think. Uh, That's 300 and some feet. Then I watched the video. Brother Mott, he's got these one millimeter thick sheets of like a plywood down on top of the water. And this, oh, no, no, it doesn't, it doesn't keep him afloat. You know, if you and I walked on it, we would, we would sink. I'm like, he's not walking on water. He's walking on one millimeter thick pieces of plywood. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about a day in the life of uh, one of only two water walkers. Uh, one was Jesus, the other's Peter. And I want you to look here with me at Peter, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through verse 34. I know some of you, Brother Darren's going to say that he walks in the water every year when he goes ice fishing. Uh, But just so you know, the Sea of Galilee was not frozen when Peter was walking on it. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. By the way, this is the first water walker in the history of the world. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them. Praise God, God speaks to us, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of the Genesaret, and the men of that place had knowledge of him, of who? Jesus. They sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for your perfect word today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive the truth, Lord, that I believe that can impact our lives today. From this passage, from this record, Lord, I pray that your word would go forth powerfully. Lord, I pray if there be one here that knows you not a Savior. Lord, I pray today that they would see their need of a Savior. I pray they would see that you love them so much that you came and died in their place, that you were buried and rose again, that they might simply believe and receive the gospel. Lord, I pray for Christians here this morning, Lord, that we would be willing to step out by faith. Lord, that we would see the importance of being in the boat. Lord, that we would see the importance of getting a closer relationship and closer walk with Christ. Lord, may you be honored. May you be glorified. May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to share ten simple points with you this morning from this passage We see that Jesus was walking on the water, and as you can imagine, the fellows were scared. Those men were fishermen. They'd spent their life on the sea. They grew up from the time they were young on the sea. And they'd seen a lot of things, but they'd never seen somebody walking on the sea. Why? Because nobody had ever done it before. Uh, 
And they were fearful. Jesus spoke to them. And after he spoke to them, their nerves were calmed. And Peter, Peter, the tempestuous fisherman, said, Lord, call me out there. I want to come out there to you. Of course, we get mad at Peter. We talk about Peter, how Peter lacked faith, how Peter fell, how Peter was going under, how Peter got his eyes off of Jesus. But can I tell you that Peter's in a very, very select amount of people who have ever walked on the water. James and John didn't walk on the water. Doubting Thomas didn't walk on the water. Judas didn't walk on the water. Peter did. I want to share 10 very simple points with you this morning. Number one, I want to see the Lord's proposition. The Lord's proposition. The Bible tells us that Peter said in verse 28, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Notice verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, come. We see in the book of Genesis, we see in Genesis 7, 1, and the Lord said unto Noah, Come, thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. That proposition was an invitation. Not an imperative command, but an invitation. Now, we see commands in Scripture, the command go in the Great Commission. We talked about last week, go ye therefore into all the world. That's a command. That's not a a proposition, uh, if you will, uh, or a request. It is a command. But we see the proposition of the Lord to Peter is, is come. This was an answer to Peter's request. Peter said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come into thee in the water. I want to make a statement, and I want you to, if you have a pen, I encourage you to write this statement down. Very vital truth this morning. Be sure, be sure when you hear the word come, that it is coming from the Lord. It is coming from the Lord and not some other source. Be sure when you hear the word come that it's coming from the Lord and not some other source. I'm going to make another part of the statement. You don't need to write this down, but make every decision concerning the will of God from some scripture from the word of God. If there is no scriptural basis, if there is no framework in the word of God, if there is no authority in God's word to answer a call to come, if you are stepping outside the boundaries of God's word, may I say that that word is not from the Lord. There are many today, oh, God God told me, God called me. I'm sorry. Most of those are not God speaking. You see, God does not speak in opposition to this book. God does not call in opposition to this book. God does not lead outside the boundaries of the authority of the Word of God. Our feelings, by the way, your feelings are trumped by the Word of God. So, Pastor, I'm offended. By the way, you being offended is trumped by the Word of God. My feelings and what I think and what I feel, God's Word is above all of that. We need to understand the importance of God's Word and the vital role of the Word of God in every decision of our life. But we see the invitation of the Lord to Peter to come. Number two, we see the Lord's proposition. Number two, we see Peter proceeded to obey. How many of you, when you were growing up, when your parents told you to do something, they expected you to obey? Brother Bonnie, I see that hand. I know your dad. I have a feeling whenever Brother Bonnie's dad told Bonnie to take out the trash, Brother Bonnie had said to his dad, no. I would never have met Brother Bonnie. He'd be in an unmarked grave somewhere in the Philippines. If Brother Bonnie had said to his dad, I'll do it later, Dad. Brother Bonnie might have lived through the situation. I don't know. When I was growing up, when my parents told me to do something, they expected me to obey, and my father taught me he expected me to obey immediately. 
the idea of delayed obedience is not obedience. Obedience that is not immediate is not obedience. That is me deciding the groundwork and the framework of how I decide I will respond on my terms. When it comes to God's word, we need to understand, Christian, that we need to obey immediately. We see here that Peter proceeded, number two, to obey. It says, when Peter was come down. Notice that, verse 29. He proceeded to do what the Lord had invited him to do. Jesus is out there walking on the water. And he said, hey, Peter, come to me. Now, when Jesus said that, all of the disciples were on the boat. I have to assume that they all heard the same words Peter heard. I have to assume that they were all there on the deck watching and seeing what was going on, and yet only one stepped out of the boat. I don't know how far Peter made it. I'm not sure how far Peter's water walking record was. I don't know if it was he got his feet in the water and stood there for a second and all of a sudden started dropping, kind of like the, how many of you remember the Roadrunner in the Coyote cartoon? Remember the Roadrunner? He'd, he'd fool the Coyote and the Coyote would run out and he'd run off a cliff and he'd be standing out there over nothing. I'm not sure how that happened. And all of a sudden, he'd look down. And somehow, the moment he looked down, it became a reality, and he began to fall. I, I don't know if Peter just stood out there for a minute and went, ah! But I know that he got out of the boat. Christian, are we willing to take the first step of obedience for Christ in every aspect of our life? Peter, the Bible tells us here, he proceeded to do what the Lord had invited him to do by obedience. I want you to notice something else there in verse 29. He was come down, notice the phrase there, out of the ship. I read a statement, a quote to you this morning. A Christian will never do anything of any magnitude for God until he's willing to step out on faith, not fearing the surroundings. To step out on faith, not fearing the surroundings. If God called, step out. Christian, if God has called you to do something for him, do it. Do it. Several years ago, I say several, many years ago, Brother Dan Crumball, for his birthday, I think it was a birthday, he went skydiving. Do you remember that? And I can't go skydiving because I, had, I made a promise to my dad when I was 18, the day I left home. As I'm leaving, you know, I thought my dad's going to, he said, hey, before you go, I want to talk to you about something. I thought my dad's going to impart some wonderful wisdom and knowledge to me. As an 18-year-old kid leaving home, September 1993, I went back and I was waiting for great wisdom. And my dad said, promise me something, Brian. I was, this is going to be big. He said, promise me you'll never go bungee jumping and never jump out of an airplane. <laughs> okay. I said, Pastor, why did your dad say that? Because my dad knows how clumsy I am. My dad knows that if I, went, if I jumped out of an airplane, for the moment, I'd bounce. The parachute wouldn't work. That'd be a bad news story. If I went bungee jumping, uh, Brother Gerald, the bungee cord would probably snap. I, so he's, I can't do it. But Brother, Dan, Brother Dan's dad never told him not to do it. So for his birthday several years ago, Brother Dan went and got to go skydiving. He jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. How many of you would like to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? How many of you think that's stupid? A lot of hands going up. I heard the story of a man who was in the military, and he was in training. He was in airborne training in the U.S. Army. And they went up in the C-130, and as they were getting ready to do their first jump out of a C-130 in their training for the Airborne, he said he was there, and there was a line of guys that were going to be jumping out of the plane. 
He said the guys went, the first guy jumped, second guy jumped, third guy jumped, fourth guy jumped. And at some point there came a guy who, it was his time to jump. He couldn't jump. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying this is good leadership skills. I'm not saying I recommend this. But he said that what happened was the commanding officer that was inside of that plane went and pushed him out of the plane. Now, he was tethered and the parachute went off, but he could not jump. He was frozen with fear. So often we get frozen. We know what God wants, but we just don't have the faith to take that first step. We don't have the faith to step out. Peter stepped out. Number three, I want you to see the purpose. And this is a key here. As we talk about a day in the life of a water walker, what's the purpose of water walking? As I, as I, as I read about and watched the video of this uh, monk, the Shaolin monk, as he was walking on the water, not really, but it's what he called. What's the purpose for that? I guess to prove that he could do it. The purpose for that was to set a record. But what was Peter's purpose? What was Peter's purpose for walking on the water? We see it there in verse 29, after the comma at the end of the verse. To go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. The purpose of walking on the water was to go to Jesus. It wasn't to elevate himself. It wasn't to praise himself. It wasn't to be impressive to the other disciples. It was he wanted to be with Jesus. When we base everything we do, Christian, when we base everything we do on the basis of drawing us closer to Jesus, you made the right decision. By the way, as a church, everything we do as a local church ought to be to draw us closer to Jesus Christ. I praise God today we get to start a new children's program in the afternoon, but we're not doing that for the sake of having a children's program. We're doing that to help draw our children closer to Jesus Christ. Everything we do ought to be drawing us closer to Jesus. We see that here in the water walker in Peter. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your heart, ye double-minded. It wasn't the matter, get this statement, it wasn't the matter of the water. It wasn't the matter of the water that kept Peter from going to Jesus. It was what he thought. It was what Peter thought concerning his surroundings. It wasn't the water. It was Peter's thought about the surroundings. My individual thinking apart from the Bible, will bring defeat, will bring discouragement, will bring failure every time. Every time. Every time. Peter here had to have his thinking based upon the Word of God. When Jesus said, come, Jesus didn't say, Peter, come, but hey, hold on, hold on. Peter, time out. Wait, 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 wait. Before you get out of the boat, just so you know, be careful. There's a lot of wind. There's a lot of waves. There's a troubled sea. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not ask Peter to focus on the storm. Jesus simply said, come. We see here that Peter made a mistake we'll look at in just a moment by looking at what Jesus didn't tell him to look at. Everything that happened to Peter from that point in the future, from the moment Jesus said, come onward, everything that happened to Peter would be based upon Peter's obedience to the command, not upon him assessing the situation. Number four this morning, we see the problem Peter had. By the way, Peter's problem is our problem. Peter's problem is the problem of our human condition so often. What was his problem? Verse 30. But when he saw 
the wind boisterous. Can I tell you what Peter did? He took his eyes off Jesus. How many have ever seen a magician or an illusionist before? The folks that trick you. And they do things that you go, how is that possible? They can't, how'd they do that? That's magic. No, it's illusion. And most of the way that they trick you is they get you to look at something else while they're doing something they don't want you to see. It's a redirection. It's a redirection of focused. How many of you ever tried to learn how to do ventriloquism? I can't even say the word, but anybody ever try to be a ventriloquist when you were younger? You know, you had a dummy. In my case, it was my sister. Ah, uh, no, you tried to be a ventriloquist. <laughs> maybe you tried to, uh, you had the, a puppet, or, or, or maybe you tried to make it look like your dog was talking, you know, something like that. I've seen some phenomenal ventriloquists. There is a very famous ventriloquist. He's a performer who probably is the most famous ventriloquist, I am assuming, in our day. His, name, his last name is Dunham. Mr. Dunham is a phenomenal ventriloquist, but can I tell you something about Mr. Dunham? He's not very good at ventriloquism. Now, he's better than me. But if you watch Mr. Dunham, you can see his mouth moving. When I was a kid, I thought a real ventriloquist, man, their mouth doesn't move. You can't tell us them speaking. You watch Mr. Dunham, his mouth moves. It's pretty obvious it's him speaking. But you know why he's so good? Why he's so uh, accoladed in our world today? Why he's held so high as such a performer? It's not because with his mouth he can project his voice and make it go somewhere else. It's not because he, he can talk with his mouth not moving. It's because his puppeteering skills are so good that it directs your focus away from his mouth. And you see the puppet and you have the illusion that that dummy is speaking. Can I tell you that Peter should have kept his eyes on Jesus. But the devil tricked him into looking away. The devil's the great illusionist. The devil tricked Peter into looking away and taking his eyes off Jesus. That wonderful old song, Take, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Can I tell you the wind was there the whole time? When Peter saw Jesus walking, it was already windy. The storm was there. The waves were there. It was already there. Peter stepping out of the boat did not create the storm and the winds. The wind and the storm was already there. But Peter took his eyes off Jesus. And Peter began to look at what was already there. We see that in verse 24. That was not some new trial. Get this statement. Can I tell you what sidetracked Peter? Something Peter was comfortable with. How many of you are, have trouble being on a boat? You get seasick. Anybody get seasick? Miss Lois, you don't like being out in the boat. I got seasick once, and that was bad, 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 bad. But I know some folks, they just can't be on a boat. They get seasick. It bothers them. And then there's some of you, you grew up on boats. You grew up out in the water. Brother Mike said he grew up catching fish. I think he's a liar. He's never caught a fish. He just talks about it. He made it all up. But, you know, you grew up on the water. You're used to the water. Can I tell you, Peter grew up on the water. And this was Peter's backyard. I mean, we're talking about Peter's in a place that he spent his childhood. Peter's in a boat on the body of water that he spent his whole life on. Peter been out on the, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times Peter had been there. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times Peter had seen the wind and the storm. He'd been there. And yet it was something Peter was comfortable with. 
that cause them to look away. Christian, often we put our guard down because we get comfortable. We get comfortable. And when we get comfortable, often we become a casualty because we get casual about that which we should be guarded about. Peter here rather was sidetracked by something he was familiar with. Isaiah 45 says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. The great mistake any man can make or woman is to look to anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. To set anything else as your compass, as your, as your guide. He is our creator. He is our God. He is our savior. So often, as Peter did, we fail to realize that that which is over our head is already under Jesus' feet. That storm and the waves that caused Peter to fall, can I tell you where Jesus was? He was above it all. He was above it all. Peter's problem was he got his eyes off Jesus. He stepped out. He went forward, but he got his eyes off Jesus and got his eyes on the wrong thing. Fear came. When you remove faith, when you remove faith in your eyes from the Lord Jesus Christ, the only thing you're left with is fear. That's the only thing left. When I was a kid, I hated onions. I love onions now. I think onions are, man, they're, they're magical. Onions are wonderful. But when I was a kid, I thought onions were of the devil. We didn't get, go to McDonald's very much, didn't do fast food much when I was a kid, but if we ever went to McDonald's, if I ever got a hamburger from McDonald's, I, you know, they serve them with onions on them. I always ask for no onions. How many of you as kids, you did that? How many of you do that today? Some of you probably. And oftentimes, if I got a hamburger and my dad, ah, take them off yourself. Then you still get the flavor of the onions in the bread. You know what I'm talking about? And I'd, I'd take and try to scrape the onions off with the burger wrapper. But I knew that my bread was defiled by the onions. You have to scrape everything off. And then you try to cover it with enough ketchup packets, if you have any, uh, to cover up the flavor of the onions. I didn't want those onions. I, I wanted those onions gone. I wanted them removed. I wanted them out of the way. But if there was one little bit of onion, I'd, I could taste it. It was left there. Can I tell you fear? Fear becomes very obvious and very in your face when faith is gone. Peter took his eyes off Jesus. Proverbs 29 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Psalm 27 says, The psalm of David, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. Who shall I be afraid? Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I like that. I will not fear what man can do to me. Number five. Number five this morning as we look at this day in the life of a water walker. We see the predicament. The predicament that Peter found himself in. Notice the words here in verse number 30. And beginning to sink. Now hold on a minute. Peter got out of the boat. He went down. He's trying to get to Jesus. He wants to get closer to Jesus. And although we don't know how far, I know that he walked on the water farther than you have. He walked on the water farther than anyone's ever walked, save Jesus Christ. But he found himself going from walking to sinking. Years ago, early in the morning, I was driving my little Bronco 2 that I used to have. And I was driving it in the spring. I was going out in the bush and in the dark. I was driving down this little cut line. I was trying to find a back way in. There was a locked gate that I needed to get into this grazing reserve that I had permission to be on, but the gate was locked. And 
I was trying to find a back way in, and I'm driving down this trail, and I, I turn left on this little survey slash trail, and I only had to go about 100 meters. And about 100 meters, I could turn off into the grazing reserve. And as I'm driving down, it was dark, and the weeds were very tall, and I'm slowly going. And all of a sudden, as I was slowly crawling forward, my truck went. I dropped down into the muskeg. And my truck just literally went. It didn't go forward anymore. It just started going down. How many of you know that vehicles are not supposed to travel in that direction? I didn't spin my tires. I didn't try to put it in reverse. I have a manual transmission. I put it in neutral. I shut the truck off because I knew I was done. I knew that I wasn't going to go anywhere. I had, when I opened the door to get out, I had to push ground because I was so sunk down below the ground, all the way the frame was below the ground surface. The bottom dropped out. I didn't try to get out. I didn't try to drive. I got out. I walked to a place where I had cell service. I called a dear friend of mine, Jerry Sizer. By the way, be praying for Mrs. Sizer. Her mother is dying in hospital now at Gray Nuns. But I called Jerry, and I said, Help. Why? Because I was sinking. Christian, we see that Peter, Peter was sinking. The predicament he found himself in, when you make the mistake Peter did, when we let fears rule our life, when we let fears overtake us, we're headed the wrong way. The problem with most Christians is that we've not only begun to sink, but we're completely on the bottom. We just kept going. We have several, several that have been a part of Cornerstone Baptist Church over the years who once were serving the Lord who once were going forward for the Lord, who found themselves in the same predicament Peter was in. Are they fallen? They're out in the sea of life, bobbing up and down aimlessly, discouraged, doubting, fearful. And yet, although Peter was in a difficult predicament, we see that Peter did something Peter's predicament, by the way, was all on him. It wasn't on Jesus. Peter couldn't say as he's sinking, Jesus, you, you, you made me drown. No. It wasn't Jesus' fault. And by the way, the predicament of your life is not Jesus' fault either. But we see number six, Peter's plea. Peter's plea. I love these words, the last three words of verse 30. Lord, save me. Notice Peter didn't say, Oh, great God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the universe, the creator. He didn't pray some five-hour prayer. He didn't have a five-hour prayer time. He was drowning. He simply cried out, Lord. Save me. Lord, save me. You see the plea of Peter. Luke 19 tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. By the way, Jesus came. The reason Jesus came was to save. The purpose was to save every person, that none may perish, the Bible says. That's his purpose. Now, he will not force his will on you. The grace of God, by the way, will not hunt you down and force itself upon you as some uh, heretics would lead you to believe. God gives you a free will. God, God says, come. Whosoever will may come to taste the water of life freely. But it's up to you to accept the invitation to obey the gospel. Peter here, though, was not asking for salvation of eternal life. By the way, we're going to talk tonight, answer the question, 
uh, can a Christian lose their salvation? Plan on being here tonight for that four o'clock. Peter wasn't asking for salvation or eternal life. He'd already received that. He was a child of God. He believed. He said, thou art uh, the Messiah. Peter knew who Jesus was. He accepted him. He, he knew that. Rather, he was asking for the protecting hand of the Lord. Christian, did you know we need that every day? We need that every day. Every day, I believe, we should come to the point where Peter did, realizing we need the Lord. We need him. We need that saving hand. We need his protection. We need him in every aspect. I remember my pastor telling the story. He's been in heaven many years. Telling the story that when he left his house to go to the church every day, he said before he left his house, he would pray and ask the Lord to, for the direction he ought to go. Now you and I, man, I'm going to go the fastest way. <laughs> I'm going to take the less traffic. I'm gonna, I don't like dealing with traffic. I, I, I'm going to try to stay away from the craziness. Uh, I'm going to go that way. But he said every day he'd pray. To me as a young college student, that seems silly. But I understand that his purpose was to know, Lord, lead me today. Where do you want me today? In other words, he said, Lord, would you take a hold of me? Peter cried out to the Lord. Peter, the failed water walker. Peter, the man who tried but failed, said, Lord, save me. Number seven, quickly this morning, we see Jesus' power revealed. Jesus' power revealed. In the next verse, and immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Well, I'm sure glad Jesus stretched forth his hand to me. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. Now, how far away was Jesus from the boat? We don't know. How far away was Peter from the boat? How far had he walked before he began to sink? We don't know. How far was Peter from the location where Jesus was walking on the water? We don't know any of that. We don't know the distance. We don't know how far Peter walked. We don't know how far Jesus was from the boat. We know none of those variables. But I know this. No matter how far Jesus was from Peter, Jesus' arm was long enough to save. Amen. Amen. Dear friend, don't you miss that. No matter how far you are away from Jesus, his arm is long enough to save you. His arm is long enough to save you. Mary and Martha prayed, oh, I wish Jesus had come. Lazarus died, and they told Jesus, if you had been here. And Jesus' arm was far enough to reach back three days and raise their brother from the dead. He's close enough. So often we think, well, I'm just too far away. There's just no hope. We don't know how far Peter was, but we know that Jesus showed forth his power. He reached forth his hand. How many of you know the song, I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Peter was sinking, but God raised him up. It says he was stretched forth his hand and goes on to say, and caught him. How many have ever seen a, a greased pig competition? Miss Lois, you ever seen a green? You never seen one? Anybody ever seen a greased pig competition? A couple of us real people, the rest of you don't know what's going on. For those of you uninitiated, uh, you take a, a small pig and you grease him up. I'm not saying it's good for their skin. I just know that's what you do. And then you, you get in and you try to catch that little pig. It's hard to catch a pig. Anybody ever try to catch a, a pig that wasn't greased up? They are not easy to catch. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, they're harder to catch than a two-year-old with something in his mouth. Uh, but they, then you grease them up. And I remember I was at a church in West Virginia years ago, about 20 years ago. And the church was having a big thing outside, and they had this grease pig competition. And uh, I joined in. A bunch of kids, a bunch of teenagers, and Pastor Rice. 
I'm out there, man. I had my sleeves rolled up by the bonnet. I had my tie tucked in my shirt. And I had pretty good knees back then. I'm chasing. And I caught that pig. Do you remember that? I got, I ruined my shirt, ruined my tie, ruined my pants. But I, I was trying to grab a hold of that rascal, trying to get a hold of him. It wasn't easy. Can I tell you that Jesus got a hold of Peter? The Bible says he caught him. Notice the response from the Lord. We see his power. His rescue came, by the way, without any effort from Peter. When he said, Lord, save me, Jesus didn't stand over here on the water and say, okay, when I think you feel bad enough for what you've done, Peter, I'll come save you. Religionist would tell you that today. By the way, false religion would say that Peter was supposed to do some good things, and if he did enough good things, then Jesus would come and rescue him. But it wasn't Peter's work. It was nothing that Peter offered. It was all the power of God that reached out to where Peter was and caught him and lifted him out of the water. It was the power of God, not the power of Peter. It was the power of Jesus. Jesus stretched forth his hand, no matter how far Peter may have been away, his hand reached him. May we never forget that Jesus will respond. May we never forget that we can call unto him. Hebrews 13 tells us, for he has said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Number eight, quickly two more I want to give you this morning. We'll close. Notice Jesus is preaching to Peter. Jesus picked him up. Notice what Jesus said in verse 31. And it seems like Jesus is holding Peter. I'm not sure, but in my mind as I read the words of the word of God, I envision Jesus picking Peter up and he's holding Peter and carrying Peter. And as he's carrying Peter, Jesus is preaching to Peter. And what did he say? Oh, thou little faith, wherewith didst thou doubt? How ashamed Peter must have been when he doubted the Lord. He wasn't rebuking Peter because he sank. He wasn't saying, Peter, you're a useless water walker. No. No one else had ever walked on water. He wasn't upset with Peter because Peter had failed because Peter made a mistake. He was rebuking Peter to transform Peter's faith, not to hurt Peter, but to help Peter to believe. He was saying to Peter, Peter, you can trust me. Just know that you can always believe me. Christian, we can always believe our lovely Lord. We can always believe his word. But how many times the preachers like myself go into pulpits across our country and around our world attempting to do the work of the Lord on our own merit without faith? How many Sunday school teachers try to teach and help their class on their own power? How many families, Christian families, endeavor to rear their children and and follow the Lord in their own strength and not look to Jesus? Jesus said, Peter, you can trust me. Number nine, we see the protection of the ship, and we'll look at this very quickly. When they were come, the Bible says, when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Can I say Peter was not very successful outside the ship? Peter was not very successful outside the ship. When Peter got back in the ship, things settled down. Where did Jesus place him? After after Jesus is here and Peter said, Lord, save me. And he picked him up and he talked to him and he took him where? Back to the boat. One thing I find interesting, Jesus didn't say, Peter, here, let let me teach you. Let's try this again. Let me teach you how to walk on the water. Okay, now put your left foot out. Your right, no, didn't teach him hokey pokey. Uh, He didn't put him down on the water. He just took him back to the boat. 
I believe oftentimes in the New Testament when we see the ship, we see a beautiful picture of the local church. As Peter went back in fellowship with his brothers, as he went back in that place of safety, that place of security, can I tell you that we need that connection. We need that place of peace in the midst of a storm. That connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And lastly, we close with this last thought, number 10. We see the praising of Jesus, not Peter. How many of you would like to see somebody walk on the water? That would be pretty impressive. If you're in the boat, Dexter, if you were in the boat and you saw Peter, you'd be pulling out your phone. Oh, i got to get a picture of this. Actually, with the Dexter pull out his phone, open it up because it's like five feet wide. And think, you know, he'd be taking a picture, taking a video. He'd be, i got to get a video of this. He'd be, whoo, go Peter. That's what I'd be doing. I mean, I'd be excited if <laughs> somebody walking on the water. Can I tell you, when they got back to the boat, they didn't praise Peter. Who do they praise? They praise Jesus Christ. Too many of us are looking for somebody to praise us. We're looking, to, we're looking to do something that will cause people to notice us and praise us. Peter was looking to get closer to Jesus. He failed, just like we do. But his goal was to get close to Jesus, not to be recognized. Jesus was praised. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. Speaking of Jesus, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Notice acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God brought about great revival in the land where they would go. The Bible tells us in Matthew 14, verse 35 and verse 36, it goes on to tell us of a great revival that happened. Why? Because the men in the boat understood who Jesus was. And those same men didn't get off the boat and say, hey, did you know Peter walked on the water? That guy right there, he, he walked on the water. He didn't go very far, but he did it. No. They got off the boat and said, hey, that's Jesus. That's the, that's the son of God. He has all power in heaven and earth. And a great revival happened. Christian, our focus ought to be to recognize who Jesus is, to elevate Jesus Christ. As we look from all angles, this story, this day, in the life of the world's first water walker, we accept that everything that happens in our life, everything that enters our life, is for the purpose of the glory of God, for glorifying God. When we do that, we begin to accept some failures. We accept the crises of life, that they can be used for God's glory. Dear friend, if you're here this morning and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, may I tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb of God that came to take away the Son of the world that was died, was buried, and rose again for you. And he offers whosoever will call upon him eternal salvation by grace through faith alone. Would you trust him? Dear Christian, this morning, would you be willing to step out in faith for what God wants? Would you keep your focus on him? Would you trust him? Would you believe him? And would you do it to get closer to God, not to be elevated? Would you quit seeking glory? And may we seek to elevate our Savior that all the world may know. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you and worship you this morning for being a great God. Lord, I pray that as we see the story of Peter, Really, Lord, it's not the story of Peter. It's a story of our great God working through a frail human. A man who would doubt, a man who would fear, a man who eventually would deny you, but a man by your grace and your power would one day give his life for you. God, help us. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to elevate Jesus. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not a Savior, I pray today they would come and let someone open the Word of God and share with them how they can trust you even this morning. Lord, would you work in our hearts. Lord, as we take a, a moment.
as we pause for a time of invitation, Lord, to react, to respond to your word. Lord, I pray you'd help decisions to be made in hearts. Lord, maybe those that need to come and bow their knee at an altar and take a moment to respond to your word, maybe where they're standing in just a moment. But Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts. May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. The Royce, if you would. Let's take our hymnals together and turn to number 312, Jesus I Come. And let's stand together as we sing this. Together, Lord, we thank you. We praise you that we can call unto you, that we can come unto you. Lord, help us to walk out of the doors of this building today, walking by faith. Lord, not walking on top of the water, but Lord, walking just as really in faith as Peter walked as he was on his way to you. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. Help us to honor you. Help us to lift you up. Bless us now. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you and be dismissed this morning. See you this afternoon.